Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle. And I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over there at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday morning. Mine has been a snowy Saturday yeah. morning. I don't know about the rest of you. I heard in like Arizona was 80. I feel like I need to move there. Have 80 degrees in February yeah. sounds nice. I don't, I don't think I want to live in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> There's What's no, the there's, my friends house. live there and, uh, nothing, I mean, it's, there's some pretty, there are some very beautiful parts of Arizona, but like, uh, they, where they live, they don't have grass, like yeah, a front lawn. It's rock, rock and yards. they just have like rocks and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. uh, I like, I like grass. I don't know. Yeah. I need moisture. Uh, I lived in the desert for too long and then I moved to Seattle and I was like, it literally rains every day. Like people don't the, have sprinklers. It blew my mind <laughs> that people didn't have sprinklers. I was like, What? And then you go further south and it's like, people don't have grass. You know, we don't even want to pump water onto this land. So anyway, uh, yeah, talking about the weather. It's fantabulous. Uh, But yeah, lots of snow. So Lucian is officially locked in. He needs to only play video video games and board games now. So that's all all he's doing. My dream come true, really. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I'm trapped in here for like three months. Oh, but we've got all these RPGs to play. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was just telling my wife to be completely off track again for our D&D Saturday morning show that uh, we're I'm at the perfect spot that by the time I retire and somebody throws me in a home, that those homes should have good enough Internet that I can just play games all the time from oh, yeah. my recliner. And it's going to be the perfect thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they get that feeding tube and you, yeah. you don't have to get up. Yeah, yeah, catheter, you're fine. You're yeah, yeah. All 20 day. years before this, those, those homes suck, man. You don't want to be in one of them. Five, ten years from now, perfect. <laughs> uh, fabulous. Well, everybody, welcome. We are a Dungeons Dragons talk show, and there's some, there's some. I won't. I, I shouldn't say gossip, but there, there's some, there's some weird stuff happening with D and D Beyond. Uh, D and D Beyond definitely uh, a huge part of the D and D community. I would say right now. Because yeah. of people like Todd Kenrick, um, Adam Bradford, and stuff, where they uh, the, their company partnered with Wizards of the Coast to make digital tool sets, and um, I know you mm-hmm. use Roll Twenty yeah. a lot. We talk about that, but like I, I solely have been playing on D and D Beyond uh, mm-hmm. for I want to say over a year now. I think probably because yeah. of the pandemic, partially, but like I bought a Chromebook. And even in person, I like pop it up and we all have our tablets and stuff and nobody has Mm -hmm. pen and paper anymore. So, yeah. Well, and I think it's we finally gotten to the point where having a digital accessory help us build characters because there's so many options now. It makes more sense. Five years ago, we don't have all the other subclasses. We don't have anything but what's in the in the player's handbook. Maybe it's not as needed. We can still make characters. Although even then, you still had a lot of sub-characters you could choose from. Mm-hmm. But now with so many options that you have from so many books that are out, it just makes sense to have some type of aid that helps you go through yeah. and do the math and helps you show your, your options. And they had to close tie. I mean, 
they were at all the live events. They went to all the conventions with them. We saw those people at conventions mm-hmm. hanging out. Um, they always got like immediate access to the big players in the community. So we saw videos with Matt Mercer and, you know, Perkins is on their channel all the time talking about something. Mm -hmm. So they had kind of direct access to a lot of the, the players in the Dungeons and Dragons community. So no, a lot of us, uh, a lot of us YouTubers were, were jealous. I should say super jealous yeah. because Todd would like a new book would be announced and he'd have, you know, 12 videos that he'd release yeah. in 12 days with interviews with Chris Perkins. And we're just like, we, we could do that. Stuff. Like, what? <laughs> why are you special? Well, it's, you yeah. know, yeah, things like we that. know why you're special. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So the news is, is that Adam Bradford, Lauren, uh, Obo, Oboe. I don't know how to say her last name, but Lauren, uh, mm-hmm. and Todd Kenrick are leaving D and D beyond to do something else. They're very excited for whatever they're doing. Um, and, uh, I don't know. The community was kind of saying like, "Oh, this is a big shakeup in the in the world of Dungeons and Dragons," and and I've invested all this money in D and D Beyond. Am I going to lose my content because this wizard's pulling their stuff? And we're like, I don't. First of all, yeah, I didn't read that. Either. I didn't read that <laughs> at all. So I don't think that is happening at all. Um, I think, uh, and I should say officially, uh, they said that all three of them had a very exciting opportunity that they can't talk about yet, but they couldn't say no to. Um, so either this is a Godfather thing and they're going to find like a horse head in their bed, uh, or, uh, it's just a really cool opportunity. And they were like, you know, I have to take this. Um, but they're, it was just odd that all three of them were like, we're leaving. It's, they all posted within an hour of each other on, on Thursday, that Mm -hmm. Friday would be their last day and, and whatever. But, uh, next week we'll probably have more information because, uh, specifically Todd Kenrick, I think said that he's going to announce a bunch of stuff on a private YouTube channel on monday about what he's doing in the future so and and they seem excited so yeah yeah and it wasn't quite clear i think it's been assumed that maybe they're all doing the same kind of thing but that's not necessarily confirmed so it could be they all have different opportunities and it's not necessarily related between the three of them yeah but it does kind of feel like maybe they have a project a new project that they're going to be working on maybe Mm -hmm. a new product maybe a new company Maybe another company's reached out to them and said, you guys did such a good job there. We want you to come and do something for yeah. us or, you know, who would it, I think in the creative world, that's more common with reaching out and asking people to come and work for you than it is saying like in corporate worlds, a lot of times some of us are signing NDAs and we're not allowed to poach, you know, employees from other companies. Yeah. And I, IBM's not allowed to go over to Google and try to start taking programmers and yep. stuff. I don't think that works the same way in, that creative space, but it sounds like you know I, they found a new yeah. thing they can go do. So if if uh, if there was a smaller, like, I agree, yeah, I, and I've been in that same situation where it's just yeah. like you are not allowed to try and ask I these people to work for this thing, and it's like oh okay, and even um, boy, I'm thinking now, yeah, I the the contract I signed, I'm not allowed to work for a competitor that uh, is deemed a competitor by my company. And, and mm-hmm. this came up with a, a friend of mine got another job, and then our our old company was just like, "Well, they're a competitor," and he's like, "No, they're not. We don't even they're not <laughs> at the same field." But they were trying to keep him because he was a good employee, and they the lawyers yeah. were going to stick that to him. So, but you're right in the creative space. Uh, I I would I don't know with fandom owning D and D Beyond, I would think that they would probably have those catches. Uh, especially with like Todd Kenrick being like the face of D and D beyond, like running the YouTube mm-hmm. channel and doing all these live chats and uh, conversations with Jim Davis from WebDM and all this stuff. But 
Um, I also think that they are, that you are right. You know, it was probably one of these like, hey, we're starting this and, and that's up to you to be like, I want to leave this and go work with mm-hmm. my friends. And that's kind of yeah. probably what he wanted to do. So, you know, and another thing I was thinking too is it's probably not clear to a large part of the community that D&D Beyond is not part of Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, it's not. And I wonder yeah, if, no. you know, that's that's a very interesting thing because I think for most people coming into it, you might not know that they're not even the same company yeah. and that they don't own that. So yeah, no, all that intellectual property is by Hasbro, Wizards yeah. of the Coast, and uh, D&D Beyond licenses that to put it right. on their website. Yeah, right. So. And it was Curse, but then they got bought out, right? So now it's yeah. Amazon or somebody else has No, them, I think right? Amazon owned Curse, but I think... Some, it's yeah. fandom and i'm not sure but fandom. i guess we can so look fandom up, is the company fandom is the company that owns them now yeah because you never see a lot of branding from them on the stuff which is i think is interesting too like you don't see a big push i, I think there's little icons here and there but nothing big to say mm. hey we're a totally separate company and they haven't really done other products yet i keep wondering if you know they would make a deal with pathfinder they would make a deal with Monty Cook, or they'd make a deal with some of the other big shots. Yeah, they might in the future. Who knows? Yeah, because it's kind of surprising because I can play all these different games on Roll20, you know? Even, yeah, uh, yeah Roll20's made partnerships yeah, with all of even, them. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, even uh, DCC has mm-hmm. uh, Goodman Games DCC. stepped in, and now you can buy a Roll20 Goodman Games pack. And so, because yeah. I was trying it out. Um, so actually, and we should, we should talk about this a little later, but uh, Nate from WSD20. He put out a video about a, a tabletop uh, thing that you actually would find really... Well, I know you like Roll20, but um, it's a virtual tabletop, and it's called Albear Rodeo, and it's completely yeah. free, and I've never heard of it, but he was talking about it, and you can like plug just a map in and really easy like run around with people, and I was like, this... This is really cool. Like, yeah, it's on my yeah. list to look at because I saw his so, video, but I hadn't got over. That yeah, you, you should okay. all check that out. Uh, it's yeah, uh, Nate's a really cool guy. Um, we had lunch at Gen Con. It was fun. We did. He was a wonderful he's, gentleman. He's a wonderful gentleman. Didn't <laughs> buy his lunch with him more but a, than a really lunch. nice guy. No. Yeah, we went and did some other stuff too. I thought. Uh, yeah. yeah, we hung out. Yeah, fun. no, he's a good guy. Uh, but so that's that's the thing. A lot of people. I don't know. I think we might be reading into this more than we should, and. Uh, I don't, but I don't think your, your content's not going away. Uh, Todd's going to keep making videos. Uh, Adam yeah. Bradford's probably going to keep designing virtual tabletops and things like that. So it's like, it's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. The one thing I saw that, that Bradford said in his video that he put out, cause you can go and watch it on D and D beyond. They have videos up of them mm-hmm. saying bye and stuff. He mentioned he was staying in the TTRPG space. So he said that term, which made me think, okay, well, we're still going to see him in what we do because we're in the whole TTRPG community. We love all that stuff. So we'll see him on Twitter doing stuff and we'll, we'll know I'm sure within the next week or two, what the, what the big project is, which would be cool. And I'm sure we'll cover it here. Mm-hmm. So it will be pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it's a bigger deal because there's not a lot of other news going on. That was kind of the big thing that hit the, the community. And so that was all that was really going on. I didn't see anything else from wizards of the coast. They didn't have any new videos out that were, you know, they, they had a few here or there that um, they're doing their their dragon talk stuff, but 
Um, yeah. So I mean, magazine. if you're if you don't have anything to watch, head on over to Jordan's YouTube channel and catch yeah. some uh, some really great videos about some. Elder There's a movies. video about elder yeah. gods or something, something, right? Isn't that what happened? This last one? Uh, it's really yeah. No, it's it's uh, uh, whoever makes those really awesome. You know, I got really the funniest good. compliment. Somebody was like, somebody sent me a message and was like, whoever edits your videos does a really good job, and I was like. Why would you, you think it's anybody more. else but me? Like, I, this is because that's how YouTube works. <laughs> I was you like, have I don't. Editor, Jordan. I guess rich YouTube. I'm like poor guy staying up till midnight editing videos, not getting them done by Wednesday. I'm like, yeah. what magical world do people live in that they have editors? Yeah. That is not me. So, so any video editors out there that don't have anything to do, Jordan's looking yeah. for a video editor. I'll pay so. you in minis. Or something. That's probably a bad idea. Because <laughs> be like, I need my brick of minis, Jordan. <laughs> Not going to get that video done. Uh, Kickstarters and zines. You, what's That's going on with at. zines? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I saw. I was looking around because I thought um, what brought it up was Tola sent me another message. Monty Cook's Tola. Oh, okay. They're about to launch in March, um, but they're doing some pre-order stuff. If you didn't do the Kickstarter, and always at the bottom of those emails, they always mention, "Oh, here's some other projects that you could go and take a look mm. at." So I was kind of perusing through, and I found a Dungeoneering zine that I thought Ooh, you might you say zine instead of zine. Zine oh is gosh. what I'm thinking. You know, I zine had no idea. Zine quest, zine quest three. I always thought what it was, I liked about it yeah, is it immediately said this creator is from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I hit the automatic. I'm helping this person out. Okay, <laughs> um, but it did sound pretty cool. It's about um, Dungeoneering. It feels very OSR. They have the OSR uh icon on their thing so mm-hmm. i knew jordan might want to look at yeah. this and take a look at it sure. should be pretty cool so i was gonna um help a local content creator out there trying to put out a game it looks like it's a a way to generate a dungeon and then a, a game to quickly let players run them you know run through it mm-hmm. and i think it's very in the osr theme of things so if you're into yeah he, that. so it's funded um and it's called dungeoneering yeah. uh zine quest three um, and watching it, I literally watched it just click over to $3,000. Somebody just did yeah. it. And he said at $3,000, they're going to, one of his stretch goals is to get a, a professional artist to enhance the book with some more art. So that's really yeah. cool. I sent him a message in his thing asking that I'm hoping maybe we could have him on the show as a guest. Hopefully That'd be in fun. The future. Yeah. So I'm hoping if I can get a hold of him because he could tell us a little bit about the Kickstarter stuff, like kind of the same questions we asked Matt, um, Colville when he did his mm-hmm. Kickstarter, and just see, you know, what's, you know, what his interests are. And yeah. I think Nate be Whittington, cool. right? The company, yep, Nate Whittington. Grinning and Rat. <laughs> Grinning Rat Publications, which yeah. I thought was fun. That's cool. So that was cool. Um, so I saw that one, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And then the only other thing I saw, I was, I was cruising through Twitter to make sure we didn't miss any last-minute news. Because, like, what will happen is our show will end, and then two hours from now, somebody will drop some big news about the exactly. next book. And, yeah. You know, and whatever. But uh, I did notice that there's something called the Dungeon Alchemist, another mapping tool out there. Oh. This one kind of driven by um, kind of like the AI machine learning. And so you tell it what size you want and then you draw a room shape and it puts stuff in it. And you can tell it to do it again, do it again. And just like sometimes it's a table and sometimes it's a workbench and sometimes it's some barrels or something. And then you draw another um, box and then it'll put a hallway between it or it'll put a doorway between it. And then you can just build this cool, fun looking artistic dungeon 
very quickly mm-hmm. and easily be able to port that out and put it in your roll 20 game or have it sit out on your table. It looked, looked really cool. They had a, uh, the picture I saw of it had it out on their, um, on their table as if they printed out from a color printer. It's called dungeon alchemist. And I believe the website is dungeon alchemist.com. Uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. Looking, so not sponsored, uh, but just always finding cool stuff out there for dungeon masters to maybe add to their games or make it easier for them to do prep. Those are the couple things I saw. They're going to do a Kickstarter to, to kick off the whole thing on February 9th. So that sounds like that would be Tuesday, right? Yes. That's Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. So Dungeon keep an eye out for Alchemist. that one. You're giving me all these extra links I got to put into that. <laughs> well, I saw you put one in there. So I did. Yeah. I'm working on it. Uh, no, that's cool. Yeah. This looks really neat, actually. So Dungeon Alchemist. Yeah. Just like Albear Rodeo, not sponsored, but we we like to share cool things that we find. Um, I backed a Kickstarter because uh, you had to Lex from Rod of Seven Parts fame and yeah. Dink Dungeons and all the other. He's writing a, 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 a tabletop RPG right now um, that it looks really cool. But Lex is really awesome, good friend of mine, and he sent me a Kickstarter of. He's like, you would like this, and it's called Pungent Quest. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a pun-packed land of M or Eem adventure. I'm not sure which one. Uh, so Pungent Quest is a, a system-neutral dungeon that you run around, and it looks like it has some extra little uh, things unique to it. But you could mm-hmm. use it with kind of any system is what it looks like. Uh, and it's just full of stupid puns, and it makes me so funny. Like, there's a, a, a great sword that is a giant cheese grater. And the there's a joke here where it's like you find a bastard sword and it's this sword in the corner and he goes, "Are you my dad?" And like I was just like, "I love it. this is exactly made for me." I'm very excited for it. Um, yes. So I backed it instantly. Um, but what is interesting is it is set in the land of Eem or M. I think it's Eem now that I am saying it out loud. I'm thinking meme is yeah. the land of meme. Um, but the land of Eem is uh, this comic book that i had on the screen if you guys were watching earlier rickety stitch um and i i read this digitally and then i decided to pick it up because uh, i think i'm gonna give this to my nephew uh because he would really like it and so i wanted a um yeah i wanted to have a physical copy and uh i haven't read part two but part two is coming in the mail today or tomorrow and i'm excited for that um but this is a fantasy inspired uh world that is just a, a fun, humorous comic. And uh, there's lots of lots of really cool art and, and it's really good. I really I liked it. It's probably for kids. I would know it's one hundred percent for kids, but it's one of those stories that's kind of just World. fun and timeless. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's like, no, anyone can really enjoy this. And so I really yeah. enjoyed it. The creators of this are making a tabletop RPG based on their uh, based on this world that they've created. And oh, that is cool. um the the yeah, that is the land of M. Um, so if you go to ricketystitch.com slash RPG, they're doing the land of Eem fantasy RPG. And right now it's in beta, but the, well, it's the same artist. So it's, it looks really, really cool. Uh, but they have, uh, sorry. So it's in beta. You can go to the website and from there, they have a free link to the beta rules and you can download them from drive through RPG completely free and try them out and see if you like them. Uh, and it looks fun. Like it looks, it looks really fun. The art's really silly, and uh, your character classes are the bard, the loyal chum, uh, 
uh, the gnome, the rascal, the dungeoneer. Uh, it looks really fun. And it's a D12 system that kind of looks like uh, Monster of the Week. But mm-hmm. instead of rolling 2D6, you just roll a, a D12. And okay. on a you know 6 to 8, there's a success with a twist. On a 12, you're a complete success. On a 1 to 2, you're a complete failure. Things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a complete failure you are a complete failure (laughs) i don't think that's how that works um but somebody in the discord uh skull dixon i think said that he he pointed us to this and then i was like oh that looks kind of cool and i perused the the rules and i was like that's fun and then i read the comic and i'm like well that's a lot of fun and then this pungent kickstarter came out and i'm like this is really fun so uh the only thing i think you would like better than pungent would be the dad joke ungent oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> which is you know they're similar they're probably next door to each other in all honesty really yeah, yeah they, they have a connecting hallway for sure <laughs> that's fun so check out uh oh i should put a link in there for the pungent quest yeah um, check that out but oh, the, and- the video is just hilarious because it's this guy um yeah i'll put a link for the comic too hang on put it all in there lex should add us to his play tester group for his ttrpg i yeah so i've been asked to play test it once so far but unfortunately i was busy so i think we're gonna reschedule but if you're actually interested i'll put you i'll put you in communication and and we can definitely do that um his is the fantasy fantasy what is it called so there's there was a uh there's one called fantasy age no uh it's troika's best on it based on it the RPG uh, Troika, but I fantasy see. something. Um, I'll think of it in like 10 minutes, I'm sure. But yeah. it's uh, what it was is it was a choose your own adventure book that you would read the novel and like occasionally roll dice to see what happened and then flip to the right page. Mm-hmm. And that system got a little, it, it, it grew because it was like popular. And so they took that system and they made like more solidified rules for it. So you didn't need a story to read through. You could like play your own story. Um, and then, uh, Troika took that and hacked it and made it their own thing. So his version is, uh, is going back to that original game and oh, he's cool. hacking it again. Uh, and if you go to Dank Dungeons, uh, well, if you go to his Twitter, but his YouTube Dank channel, Dungeons. he released a bunch of videos that were little like two minute segments on here's this game and how I would hack it and, and why it's cool and why I think I want to like change it up. So. Um, but yeah, he's working. He's got a really cool artist. Uh, yeah, Very we should. Cool. We actually we should have Lex back on. Fantasy yeah. Kafka. Yeah, talk about his game. <laughs> Where all your <laughs> dreams come true. Yeah, Fantasy Costco. Um, I was looking for a link to the comic, which I have just found, and I will put it in chat. Did you just say Fantasy Costco? Could yeah. you imagine what a store like that would be? Oh, you you need you haven't listened to the so Adventure good. Zone. You need to listen to the Adventure Zone. <laughs> That's their whole shtick. Is after an adventure, <laughs> they go home. And they go to Fantasy Costco and they spend their money to like buy new magical stuff. And it's, oh my it's, god! That's and so he makes good. a jingle. It's so good. The Adventure <laughs> Zone. Listen to it. It's a very very good show. Uh, yeah. As you can tell, we love everything. So yeah, we do. Uh, last but not least in the news, uh, yes. there's a show called I think it's a- Avatar. I, I've never. It's like a something about a, a yeah. bender a of movie, the right? wind. There's a big movie. Yeah. Oh, that M Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was... Okay, so that they're making an RPG based on that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The, yeah. the, the Windbender. Yeah. Um, and so that should be really cool. 
Uh, yeah. A- no. Avatar. Avatar. So Avatar, Avatar, The Last Airbender, uh, Magpie Games, which you really like. Do you want to talk about I Magpie Games? I love that company. Yeah. They make some of the best games ever. They're a really fun company. Um, all the people I've met there have been fantastic. Got to talk to a lot of them. And they acquired the rights to Avatar. Do you say Avatar or do you say Avatar? I say Avatar. Avatar. We'll go with uh, your pronunciation. Avatar, <laughs> The Last Airbender. Uh-huh. TTRPG is coming. Uh, so they are have permission to work on that and bring that to light as a product. And I love it because they work with a lot of the Apocalypse Engine kind of stuff. Um, I haven't heard what engine they will do, if it will be one they create or if it will be a Apocalypse Engine style game. But they've done Mass A New Generation. They've done um, Urban Shadows was another really good one from them. They've done some vampire ones. They've done Bluebeard's Brides. They've done, you know, which is kind of like a romance RPG one. Mm-hmm. They really spread the whole RPG genre out to lots of different places that almost like an indie producer feel, but they're professionals. They're pros. They're not just, you know, and their booths are cool at Gen Con and they run games all week long at the conventions and they let people come in and be dungeon masters and mm-hmm. they set up tables so people can play and it's just a really good time. So I'm excited. Um, I have seen the movie, animated movie, on Netflix, I am sure. I don't know if I've gone through the entire series, although I think I still can on either Netflix or Hulu. I'll have one of it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably go back through and watch it. Um, I, I like the world. I assume you're a bigger fan probably than I have been, but is this one of the animated shows you have watched? No. Uh, I know oh, of oh, it. Um, I, I watched, I watched, so I have a sad story about Avatar because I was home from college, I think. Sad story time. Sad story. Everybody. I'm going to, oh, I don't, Get a little closer. I don't want to, but I need to put in that like sad music. Uh, <laughs> Jordan walking away, hitchhiking yeah. the Hulk or whatever. Um, yeah. Bruce Banner. So uh, Bruce no, I was home from college and my parents had moved so all of my like high school friends were non-existent because I was now two states away. I so I didn't know friend. anybody. And I was like working uh, as a lifeguard and I come home and I'm tired because of the sun. And I would like turn on the TV and there was this cool animated show. And I'm like, what is this? This looks kind of cool. It was the last episode of Avatar that I watched. That was the first episode I saw was the last episode. And I was like, this looks epic. Like what is happening? People are flying what and then uh off the air it well no it wasn't off the air like it restarted but i just never it never lived up to that epic fight at the end where i was just like i guess so i don't know (laughs) so i watched a little bit of it i haven't watched a lot i do like the world and i think the characters are really good and it is a very beloved series um i should start from the beginning and just really enjoy it but i have a lot of Mm -hmm. reading and other stuff to do uh and then uh yeah legend of korra was the sequel and i hear that is equally good but i Mm -hmm. i like the idea of the four elements obviously like i i've always enjoyed stuff like that and i think that's my final fantasy upbringing where you have like the crystal of air the crystal of earth and Mm -hmm. things like that so the idea that you have these creature or creatures you have these humans who are are you know parts of gifted with magic and and they've banded together because of that and yeah Yeah. and And their their lifestyle really reflects the element that they are which is why the fire nation attacked and things like that we make lots of fun jokes about like whenever something bad happens we'd be like yeah everything was fine and 
And then the Fire Nation attacked. It was just sad. <laughs> but uh, it looks cool. I wonder what kind of system it's going to be. Um, and I wonder if it's if it, people are going to fight, like, well, I want to be the Avatar. Well, I want to be the Avatar. Mm. Like, well, you all can't be the Avatar. So I, mm-hmm. I wonder what it's going to be. Or if it'll be really... They'll, they'll probably do it justice because there's characters in the show that don't have powers, you know? Yeah. And they're equally fun. And going back to Monster of the Week, it's kind of like your character in Monster of the Week where it mm-hmm. is just like, no, I'm just an average guy, but that can be very fun to play, you know? So uh, an average Definitely. guy in D&D, not as much fun to play. But yeah. it, with the right system, it can be really interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, But yeah, farmer. that's slated for February 2022. Uh, and then they already announced that there's two expansions that are going to happen with the game. So the core game will come out in February next year. And then after that, uh, two expansions um, dealing with whatever. Yeah. Bloodbending. Yeah. I'm go. excited because they, they've always have been able to get really good artists for their games. Magpie, um, yeah. So I'm excited to see what they do with this and where they take it. I'm glad. I wonder if they can I use mean, official art like oh, from the show and stuff because of yeah, the Yeah, that'd be really cool. But, yeah. And I'm glad that I see a lot of these like Modifius is really big about grabbing licenses out there because like they got aliens, you know, they, they grab Conan, they grab John Carter of Mars and they've got Star yeah. Trek. And I love the idea that these other nice big publishing companies are pulling out these nostalgic, awesome IPs and saying, hey, let's make a TTRPG game yeah. about it so that we can play in these things. You know, we could play a Farscape game or we could play. Um, you know, any of these old versions of cool shows, Voltron. Or, yeah, or, and, and I feel know, like back in the day, the the push was to make a, a, a system-neutral fantasy setting mm-hmm. so that you could then play in, you know, whatever. So, like, I want to play in a Star Wars game, but they don't have those, so I'm going to buy this space system. How do you feel? Do you like it when a system is married to a, a genre? Or not a genre, but like a, a, a an intellectual property, I guess. Like, yeah. when you want to play a Star Wars game, do you go out and find Space Opera 7 and then make it Star Wars? Or do you invest in Star Wars? Like, how do you like to... Which, which do you prefer? I think... And I think I, it goes up and down. So I think there's like there'll be a span of years where I'm just buying licensed IP stuff that is creating within the IP itself. So like it's a star Wars game. I'll go find a star Wars game. If I'll play star Trek, I'll go find a star Trek game. But I think there's a point where I've done enough of that. And then I'll be for another five or six years. I want a system neutral. So I want something that can play anything. I want a cipher mm-hmm. system. I want a D 20 system. That's completely neutral, but can play anything. And I'll play around with that for a while, but then I'll go back to, the license stuff again. And Mm -hmm. I think the differences are you can make an engine work for just about anything. You can make 5e work for anything. I've seen 5e science fiction. I've seen 5e fantasy games. I've seen 5e OSR. So you could make any system work, but when you have the book in front of you with all of the artwork, that's relevant to what you're about to start running for your friends. And it has all the lore about it from classes are here's the Jedi here is, you know, the Padawan, here is the, you know, whatever, if you're going to go Star Wars, or if it's Star Trek, here's the, you know, the communications officer, here's the engineering officer, here's the security officer. And they're really putting in mechanics that are relevant to the world you're going to be playing. I think sometimes that's fun just to jump in, get your friends together and get rolling. You don't have to think about how you're going to convert everything and you don't have to think about how you're going to make the classes work when everything's so generic and heck, and you there's more explaining for you to do 
as a dungeon master, game master to your players when the system's more generic. So they lean on you more to understand the rule set, but it'll work. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think if you just pop open, hey, we're going to play Star Wars from Fantasy Flight, you can hand them a book and they can all, oh, I understand what yeah. I'm doing. I'm let's, a smuggler. Let's roll. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's roll with it. I, so. I agree. I'm, it's weird, though, because sometimes, I mean, well, overall, I would say that I really enjoy system neutral thing i just like a good tool set that i can do what i want with it you know and yeah i think monster of the week uh or or just powered by the apocalypse in general is a good thing because you have like dungeon world and you have monster of the week which are very different games that use a very similar system um and then there's games like i i guess games that uh do a feel so mothership very much had a uh alien feel and yeah. then, you know, Modifius pops out this alien game and you're like, that looks really, really cool. Uh, I, I haven't played, I, I haven't finished reading Alien um, to see if I would like but other, but I haven't played either. I've only read through Mothership, but I still am like, no, I think Mothership would be really cool. But with the alien system, there's a whole mechanic to being a synthetic and mm-hmm. your goal is to not let people know that you're a synthetic. <laughs> and that isn't necessarily found in mothership so you could play an alien style game with mothership but like if you really wanted that alien feel you're right and and the world's a lot bigger with those books like you were saying and their expansion's coming you can pre-order now the colonial space marines is coming and i'm super excited for that too so i don't know um and then even this rickety stitch like you could play this with a modified version of D &D or um i was looking at a game called ryutama yesterday that uh, was really cool and was understanding the rule set of that because it looked really interesting. Um, and I'm like, you could play Rickety Stitch with this really easy, Land of, of Eam. Um, but they went ahead and they're like, we want to make our own system. Yeah. Okay. I think the other thing you get is just the, the artwork. Yeah. Also, I mean, you get to flip through a book that's dedicated to the art of the, the IP that you're about to do. Whereas a system neutral... You can go find all that stuff and it can be in your head and you can be thinking about it and you can be like, oh, yeah, I could do this. But when you're flipping through those pages and you have really cool rendered drawings of the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I want that book. (laughs) So I think that's a little bit of both. I I want both. There's reasons I want both and there's reasons why I think both are great. Um, And there's reasons that I keep filling my shelves with all kinds of games that I never have enough time to play (laughs) because I just love looking at them and reading through them and getting excited about your mind thinking about these worlds that you could be playing. in if you, you know, you get your group together and you could, you could be having your own adventures there. For sure. Very fun. Um, awesome. Possum. Well, uh, now about nice term huh <laughs> nice term yeah i, think I heard that on a commercial recently <laughs> uh awesome. I'm, I'm full of uh you know 1930s slang um nice. let's go to uh i have to set this up but let's hop There's, on over yeah. to college of monsters we're gonna let's this is our it. our new our new segment college of monsters where we come up with some kind of an adventure or talk about monsters we haven't really we're we're, we're feeling it out you know I like the idea that we, we talk about the, what we think normally about it, but also trying to think of how can we think out of the box with this thing, yeah. too. Like come up with some out-of-the-box thinking for, for something that we all have kind of an idea. All right. Uh, I think... Oh, here's our number. We got uh, 172. Let's check this out. 172. Uh, ooh, this is a good one. A grill. 
I like growls. Growl. That is a. I used to growl once Super in a game. Um, let me look it up. I growl every on, uh, summer. Every summer he's a growler. Ah, uh, growl. Okay, so we're gonna go here, and then I will get rid of this. This is also tricky because I don't have the monster up earlier. Because uh, we're doing it live. Yeah, it's it's live, guys. Here we go. Hey, all right. So, uh, Grell. So, what is a Grell, for those of us who don't know? Yeah, tell us. Um, a Grell resembles a bulbous floating brain with a wide, sharp beak. Uh, its ten long tentacles are made of tentacles. hundreds of ring-shaped muscles sheathed in tough, fibrous hide, and sharp bar- barbs line the tip of each tentacle and inject paralytic venom. The Grell can partially retract its barbs into its tentacles to handle or manipulate objects, uh, grills have no eyes and floats by means of a sort of levitation. They have keen hearing, uh, and they are sensitive to vibrations and electrical fields. Ooh. They're an ab- aberration. They're evil. Um, and they are CR3, with basically like a tentacle por- or a paralyzing grasp, a beak attack, and they can... Oh, they can fly 30 feet. Okay. They have a speed of 10, but they can fly 30, so... Makes sense. Um... CR3, so this is going to be a lower level mm-hmm. uh, kind of creature boss. Um, and instantly I'm thinking of probably what, like uh, rips into the Far Realm or something. I've been doing all these Elder Evil things, Far Realm stuff lately, mm-hmm. so that's kind of what's on my mind. That fits so this that is kind good. of theme for sure. But yeah, so I don't know. Or is this, uh, uh, now I'm spitballing, what if this is a, an uh, experiment by somebody? And yeah, it's like an aberration. Yeah, right? and yeah. so you're you're like, I'm gonna take a squid, a parrot, <laughs> and my friend Stan, a giant, yeah. brain. <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna make a growl. Um, have yeah. you ever fought one of these or used one of them? Yeah, yeah, I've used them in my campaign. They're they're very fun. I like to use them when the characters are right around the parties at that second or third level, mm-hmm. which makes it kind of perfect. Um, I like the idea that. You can use them in a spot where they don't have a lot of good visibility and they have the ability. I like to use them as an ambush. They are ambushers. Yeah, that's what it says here. Um, So that's probably the typical way. And I would probably use it. And that's how I've seen them used so far. And um, that's how I wouldn't that be fun, though, if you were exploring a dungeon and then it's like, where's Sam? And you look behind and like he's not there. And so you backtrack and he's like paralyzed with a, a grell and like floating up into the air or something. Yeah. Um, that reminds me, we played a game where we were playing at the table and uh, one of our players had to get up because of a phone call or something and mm-hmm. nobody thought anything of it. It was just like, okay. And then they were gone for quite a while. And so then I was like, you guys, you don't see so-and-so's character. And they, and they totally bought in and they're just like, you're right. Where <laughs> is that character? And so it was one of this panic moment where they had to find out what happened. And then we worked it into the story, but. Yeah. Um, these are not to be confused with Gricks, Nathan. Never confuse a Grell and a Grick. How dare you, uh, Nathan? They get offended by that. It's like Kiwi and Ozzy. You don't do that. Yeah. Um, but no, I I like the idea of... I guess I'm thinking of an old RPG podcast that I listened to where mm-hmm. the the there were little like pockets of Far Realm bleeding into the Prime Material Plane. And yeah. so you would be walking down uh, a nice garden path and there would be like tentacles coming out of a tree (laughs) Mm because it's like, what is happening here? And it's, 
it's not that there are tentacles in the far realm. It's that when far realm substances push into our realm, it has to it has to like reconfigure to a way that we can understand it because physics is different here, and it turns into these weird creatures. So what? I like that. Like, what if there's just like a little blob that comes out, and then you're trying to understand it, but the more you're trying to understand it, the more it takes shape into this weird beak-like brain floating thing so i i would like this creature in a very um i could see a really fun scene for a campaign with this too where maybe you have a mind flayer type boss and these are some of the troops it uses to attack a town Mm. or to go and grab the the things it needs from whatever village that the players are at or protecting or or whatever and the other thing that makes it fun is that there's a big fog going on or there's a storm of some sort that's limiting visibility down. So what you're seeing is, is you the people are running around screaming in terror, and then all of a sudden it's just like some tentacles grab somebody and bring them up, and then mm-hmm. they're gone into the snow or into the the rainstorm or into you know the the fog. All of a sudden, uh, would and, you say into oh, the mist? Into the mist, exactly sure. like the movie The Mist. Yeah, that would be for sure. actually that would be a really fun campaign to do something yeah. like that where you're like or we don't know what's going size. on. Going outside is dangerous. But yeah. staying in here is not an option either. Yeah. So I love I love situations like that for characters because uh, it it feels like a no win situation where your players are like right. I don't know what to do, and then yeah. they have a forty minute conversation it. about should we leave the bunker? And you're like, <laughs> you're running <laughs> you're out, out, of out of food. Like, yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do? What about supersizing it too? What about having mm. a giganticized yeah. one of these? Yeah, because this is a medium master. creature, but you could easily you make could it huge. Up it. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, you could make it a CR eight or nine or ten by just going gigantic with it like it's the size of a a kraken or something all of a sudden and i like it can fly can move around i like that could be used i think i would use these type of creatures in a spell jammer i think this would fit really well Very in some well. type of spell jammer attack um i like the idea of a big giant monster fighting a godzilla like creature that that this thing is now that i'm looking um, at it um the the matrix where those uh sentinels oh, like yeah. what, <laughs> what if you had a mind flare ship that had torpedo <laughs> tubes and it and fired shot. out these gricks or these gricks see i'm doing it now these grells and so the grells are like and then they like shink, you yeah. know and, and fly in with their tentacles <laughs> laser oh their beaks chomping through the hull to get to you you have to you have to cast some kind of psychic EMP to get rid of them. The Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, this is man. so good. And they're a big brain, so it makes sense a big EMP might affect them. Oh, yeah. Might, you know, scramble their big brain. Or what if you want to go really comedic route and you have one of these as an NPC named Bob and he can talk <laughs> and he just follows your career around for, you know, Ack Inc. And, he, and he's like the really the straight guy kind of um, for your party. Like all your party is like crazy fantasy people and then you have you know, your, your grill as your, your mm-hmm. straight is, is Bob, Bob Smith. <laughs> I like it. And he puts uh, a hat on every now and then he wears a trench coat when he cruises around. Oh, that would be so funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually a grill in a trench coat the whole time. Yeah. I, so this is off topic, but like we've been joking about guys, I'm sorry. I'm actually been three kobolds in a trench coat the whole time. And I'm trying to think like, could I build a character in D and D five E, that actually is three kobolds in a trench coat. I want to do this so that has bad. An illusion on them, um, and then cast an illusion. And I'm yeah. trying to think like, would I split the HP between all three of them, or like that would be such a fun race to play? Mm-hmm. Is literally three kobolds in a trench coat. <laughs> um, 
Gosh, I want to play that so bad. Uh, that was fun. That's a good one. Grell. Lots of things. Yeah. Rick is right next to it. Very different monster. Very different. Yeah. So I feel like the first time I saw Grell might have been in some... like Fiend Folio. Maybe I wonder where the first sighting of it was. Oh, I don't know. Because I know I've seen that. That the art for those is pretty iconic. Yeah. And very feels very D and D dungeony to me. Like you're going to come across it in a dungeon somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've always liked that one. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Grell. That would be f- <laughs> big fan of the Grell. First edition. Big, big Grell fan. Um, Grell. Second edition. Yeah. I mean, all I can see is pictures of them, but. Yeah, I'll have to go back and look to see if it was in the Fiend Folio or not. Because that's usually the most iconic ones that have sat with me for the longest amount of years, mm-hmm. is flipping through the old Fiend Folio and looking at all those crazy drawings that they had of those creatures. And I was just like, oh, this is so good. So, College of Monsters, you guys should tell us how you would use Grell, how you have used Grell. What are your thinking outside the box uses of it? You know, how would you... What is something that, you know, it was just the Fiend Folio, 1981. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know your D&D. Love it. Uh, yeah. Let us know in the comments below how you would uh, use a Grell because that'd be really fun. Um, we occasionally play games on this uh, show try. podcast. Uh, apparently there's a Dungeon of the Mad Mage happening. Uh, yeah. Tell us, tell us about your dungeon diving, sir. Are you, are you, this, this is, when are you going to be done? Is this going to no be idea. like four We're years? On, level four dude oh man and of, I don't of like 27 how many levels are and there? we're halfway through level four so yeah oh, like man. who knows how many there are um i don't know how big i think at certain parts the levels aren't quite as big it, it's my understanding that the upper levels are bigger and wider and spread out whereas maybe the further you go down it, it changes um but you know we're about fourth level down we did find the way down to the fifth level but we're still mapping out parts of the fourth level. We ran into 23 layers. This is ridiculous. Yeah. You're never going to get It's going to get crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how we're going to do it. It's gonna Maybe be they get smaller campaign. as you go down. I haven't, I haven't yeah, read yeah. it yet. Um, or we'll speed through it at some point. Um, but it's been pretty fun. It's definitely been a... So far, if there's been a theme, it's been us butting heads with Xanathar and his group. Or butting heads with drow in their faction that's been the real big theme thus far of all of the kind of levels that we've been and they there's little things here and there that aren't that or don't have mm-hmm. anything to do with that but just like an overall theme if you're just like what kind of adventure am we running we we've ran into drow quite a bit and we've ran into xanathar's stuff quite a bit so far mm-hmm. um so i'm waiting to get down to those lower levels where it really starts to get completely fantastical and, and really crazy because halastar starts you know it's all about you know the the dungeon of the mad mage yeah. i assume it's going to start getting more mad and mad yep. and mad um just like we had the old temple of elemental evil those first levels were pretty mundane dungeon levels but the further you got you finally got to the level that was for you know the fire element yeah. and then you got the level that was the water element and it started to get really fantastical yeah. so i'm hoping for that did you know that uh goodman games is redoing temple of elemental evil for fifth edition I didn't. When's that coming out? Because uh, I want that Coming out, I think it's this summer, but they're working on it right now. But, uh, oh, I'll buy it. It was, yeah, it, and it was like, uh, anyway, I, I want to buy it too, but it's going to be expensive because uh, they, they're doing like re-everything, and apparently mm-hmm. it's going to be a two-book volume yes. because you get the original adventure plus the fifth edition update, um, and I think it's going to be close to like 80 or or $100, which is oh, kind of I'm expensive. In. 
but it's such an iconic thing. Sorry, it's yeah, tangent. I will but yeah. run it. That's the one adventure I've wanted to run all my life. Oh, man, that'd be good. Temple of Elemental Evil. It's my favorite yeah. of all times. <laughs> Some Tharsden vibes in that one. So uh, so that's been pretty good. We, I'm still loving my character. My character in that is an Aarakocra, um arcane archer fighter who has just now started to get a few cleric levels in. And that's been super fun. Yeah. And my character is like John Wick on steroids at this nice. point. Um, <laughs> with his longbow and sharpshooter and all the feats I've taken to get going. It's really fun. Very fun. Um, to play. Other than that, um, we played Wednesday night, back-to-back session, Monster of the Week. Yeah. Um, I'll jump in as you describe yours because you let me go last week. So I'll let you jump into yours. And when you get to Monster of the Week, I'll fill in stuff as for well, no, uh, yeah, let's talk we're about both playing. Let's talk about, yeah, we're both playing. This is LB Hack'em Up's Monster of the Week game on her channel, twitch.tv slash LB Hack'em Up. Well, I didn't know how much um, you wanted to take up for your Wild Mountain. No, no, we're right good. We'll talk about this. Uh, we, and then I'll switch over. So, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. I'm playing a Divine. You're playing a... Mundane. A Mundane. I was going to say a normal, but... Peter I Delaney. Peter Delaney. Um, and basically, I'm like a, a homeless guy that follows some, some uh, odd uh, Slavic god... Uh, who's here to stop some kind of evil, but doesn't really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of thrown in like, oh, these guys are cool. And like, my boss was a vampire. Yeah. Now I hang yeah, out like, with them. I'm an Amazon um, driver. Yeah. And you were like, I in my mind, you look like Constantine. Yeah, that's kind of how but I you feel. Talk <laughs> like, but you talk like somebody else, which is what makes the character, because it's like a, it's a mashup of two things for the character. I'm trying to think of... Who else does that kind of um, cadence with their vocabulary when mm. they're talking? I don't know where you got it, but it's super <laughs> funny. And it makes the session just, we're all rolling. It's really, I'm on. having a lot of fun with that character. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very bombastic. It's very, mm-hmm. um, very interesting to have somebody who's barely understands technologies in some ways, but then is using it to do other things. And we throw that in there a little bit. He's got a whole side plot going on. The characters are what's making the story so far because they're so varied and different, and people are really getting into them, and I love it. Yeah, I just love it. And we so have uh, we have a dryad uh, who's a dryad. the monstrosity yeah. is what her, but she's she's a mm-hmm. good dryad that's got magic and stuff helping us out. And then uh, uh, a para para romantic. Ro- romantic yeah. yeah um which is kind of, that's from a i haven't read about that one because that wasn't an expansion that he wanted to play or they wanted yeah. to play so that's what they are playing um, well, like a, a supernatural be, yeah, with a love connection of some mm-hmm. sort val yeah, yeah um but no it's been it's been really fun um we uncovered that there is an entity living in the lake and the mm-hmm. way we're going with it is that it might be evil or it might have been mutated or changed because of something somebody did in the town that was like evil or bad in a way. Yeah. We're starting to think that something's happened to the lake. Yeah. Something, something to do with the paper mill. And And I went to the uh, library to look at like old newspapers and stuff. Microfilm. Very exciting. Uh, (laughs) And was found out a bunch of stuff about that, which LB's discussion on how microfilm microfilm works I'm like, you don't even know what this looks like. That was what I loved, is you bring up this idea that our dungeon master, who is younger than me and Jordan, probably significantly, had no idea what you were even trying to talk about. It was so funny. And I'm just like, I don't know, it's microfilm. like, And I was making jokes about spies in the 1980s and stuff, but like, 
like it's a it's a transparency about yay big, but it has mm-hmm. so much stuff on it. You have to magnify it. But the way LB yeah. was describing it was okay. You have like a, a flashlight and you shine it, and I'm like, it, I wouldn't be able to see anything. Like you have to. You have to put it in the machine very specifically. We have to send her uh, some X file shows. Like oh my gosh! I should X-Files find a I should find yeah. a GIF and be like, "This is microfilm." Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. So anyway, we found out that there's something there, and then my my deity talked to me and said, "Like you need to take care of this monster. Like this is this is bad news." And I was like, "Oh." Um, so it should be cool. I it's weird because it's it's all about solving the mystery, and there's no there's very little combat, if any, um, mm-hmm. and but we're having so much fun. And the mechanics of it at the very end, I really like because at the end of every session, we talk about like what did we mm-hmm. accomplish, and based on and that for conversation, our group, that a lot. yeah, <laughs> and based on that conversation, we get experience points, and then you yeah. can use experience points to buy new abilities, not necessarily like level up, but you get new abilities right. with it. It's really fun. Yeah. So. Yes, uh, yes, Stephen Thomas. Uh, microfilm is very old, much like yeah. us. And I think what <laughs> makes it is the characters. It's a very character-driven game. Yeah. Whereas you might say D and D is a very mechanics-driven game. There is RP, and I know you can watch. This is a whole fight. There's plenty that we can go of go back and forth on. Yeah. But yeah, I would say ninety percent of the D and D games that are out there are about fighting monsters and combat and getting mm-hmm. XP and gaining gold. And you have mechanics. You can move thirty feet. You can shoot sixty. You mm-hmm. can do these things. It's mechanics-driven. This is really more about just character and discussion-driven. Uh, exploratory discussions with the players around you and then the game master who's playing all the other players of the town or you know whatever's going on and so it feels very collaborative like you have a lot Mm -hmm. of freedom to help create in in the moment and the dungeon master really or the game master the keeper in this case i think it's called keeper allows or encourages you also to create so the town is what she kind of started with was like a framework of Doberg, Lake Doberg. But we've all kind of put in things that she didn't even have in her mind, but now are canon part of the town. Yeah. Like somebody put in the drive-in theater, and I'm the Amazon driver who knows where all the streets and towns and knows everybody's first name. And the family of the Delaney's are just a delight. You know, they're just, they're fun, energetic characters to, to put into. We are all at a, at a movie theater, and that was fun. And... Just the way the whole thing has, has gone so far. Mm-hmm. It's been really fun. I no, can see it as like a Netflix show. Honestly, that's why I love uh, Kids on Bikes is because yeah. the first session of Kids on Bikes is let's build characters. And then how do all these characters know each other? And where do you want to adventure? Let's like, what's, build what's what, the city? And then yeah. you, you as the dungeon master in that game, literally ask the players, like, what's a significant... Um, uh, uh, icon in the town like what's a statue or what's a building that has historical significance why and then to the point where you even like make up two lies and one truth about this but like nobody really knows like which is the lie which is the truth it's really fun uh and i love that style of role playing i also think it makes for interesting listening too like i I, yeah i don't think i listen to as many people play straight D D anymore but i really like these offshoot uh, story-driven ones. And you're always looking for a way to help and enhance or or encourage somebody's idea. So, like, I'll be sitting there, like, I didn't do hardly anything 
in session two. Like if you go back and watch it, yeah. there was hardly any Peter. And she's typing to me in chat. She's like, oh, Lucian, I'll get to you soon. I'll get to you soon. Because <laughs> she was kind of like worried. I'm like, I'm having a blast just being here. We could go the whole session and I don't have to do anything and I'm fine. Because it was just so fun because we were adding things in as people were talking about something. You know, they're like, oh, it's this creature that does this thing and it has these things. And somebody might say, you know, like, um, and the horse was a whole thing. And we're like, <laughs> All of a sudden, somebody has horse. a horse, and how do they get around? And yeah, and there's like the no, we'll show up at Peter's house, and he'll have, um, he'll make dinner. Yeah. And they're like, shouldn't we call him? And you're like, no, we'll just show we'll up. Just show we'll up, just yeah. get there. You know, just no. He always feeds me dinner when yeah. I go there. It's just like those interactions. You're making a real world conversation by conversation, sentence by sentence, and it's it's growing in your head. In my mind, I can see this place. I can see like Doberg. You know, I can see some of these fun scenes that we've already yep. done. So it's it, creatively, it's super fun. Yeah. I've been having a last, uh, a lot more, I shouldn't say this in a negative way, but a lot more fun than I was expecting because it's a new yeah. system oh, yeah. and I don't know, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I knew that I would have fun with all of the fun people. Uh, mm-hmm. but I was just, I'm like looking forward to Wednesdays. <laughs> like it's really yeah. fun. It's so, been good. Um, other than that, we're finishing our wild mount game. Uh, and hey, so Josh, Josh, yes. And so the last, I think I didn't talk about it last week because we had guest Harlan on. Um, but basically two weeks ago, we tried to stop the big bad evil guy. He teleported away. We ransacked his area and we found a scroll of wish. And this was like, holy cow. That's big. So uh, we then met with uh, someone named the gentleman who's part of Critical Role Lore. And he said, I can make you an anti-magic weapon. Um, but you have to go and get me an astral dreadnought's eye. And we're like, oh, yeah, oh okay. And so uh, Jordan knew this, and we kind of incorporated that Josh knew this, that if we put... Um, Fantasy Costco. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if we put a uh, bag of holding in an extra-dimensional space, it'll tear to the astral plane and pull us there. So that's how we got to the astral plane, as I sacrificed my bag of holding, which I was very sad about. Um, and once there, we the, the gentleman gave us a compass to find an astral dreadnought. We ended up finding one, uh, but we were really scared to fight it because it's uh, it has a singular eye that is an anti magic cone. And we're like, what are we going to do? Like, and it's named dreadnought. And it's it's so. named dreadnought. It's a very large creature. So we had a, this epic fight. Um, I ended up using my scroll of wish to wish for its eye to be on the deck of our ship. And it came barreling down from the sky and landed on our ship. Connected to the And so our ship was sinking and we're like, ah, so we're trying to get away from this blind astral dreadnought that's chasing us. Um, And we're sailing away. I ended up using uh, control water to lift our boat out of the water and propel us forward so that we wouldn't sink. So like my job is just like, get the ship going. And they're trying to like huck things at it. And the, the, the poor uh, rogue is like, do I jump on it and attack? And we're like, I don't know. Like you shouldn't <laughs> that's die. The, that's the monk was the same way. Like, what do I do in this situation? Um, but this is the coolest thing is I created a new spell a while ago called Josh's conjured weapon. And I mm-hmm. think of it as um, in the movie, Dr. Strange, they have those guys that go like, and they've got those, that like blade of force. So yeah. I conjure this blade. I, I have the ability of flight because of a magic ring. And so I fly on the back of it and I'm just like, yak, yak. And I got the killing blow, which was really, really exciting. As a wizard. As yes. a wizard with a, with a ma- magic sword, magic I got sword. the killing blow. And so uh, I posted on Twitter that I'm like, I just killed an astral dreadnought with a magic weapon 
or with a, a spell that I created custom for the game. I love D&D. It was I epic win. and fun. <laughs> so we go back. Uh, they use the eye to turn it into a magical item. That So now we have like a, a rod of uh, anti-magic cone. And mm-hmm. now we're going to find our big bad evil guy and we're going to take him out because he can't teleport away if he's under the effects of this magical um, anti-magic cone. So we'll see how it works. That's right. So Mr. Dungeon Master out there, he can't escape this time. (laughs) We'll see. He might have (laughs) uh, a fancy shield that reflects anti-magic cones. Who knows? Yeah. There's always, there's always something, right? He counterspells your anti-magic cone. Um, But after that, uh, we decided that once we finish the game of D and D, we're going to transition into some other RPGs. Um, And so specifically uh, just like a couple of one or two shots, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like try, try other systems is what uh, my dungeon master Very wanted cool. to do. And I was like, get all about it. Um, and so we're going to start off with some kids on brooms. So I'm going to run kids on brooms this. Uh, or I think we're going to build characters tonight and then tomorrow or next week we'll actually play a game. So I got to come up with some kind of a plot. But I think the character building process tonight will help me know what kind of adventure we should have. What do you have. mean? So, They're kids that are going to their first year of magic wizarding well, school. There you go. <laughs> it's done all right lucian's running the game Perfect. um should be a lot of fun uh but their first years they're fresh i'll have i'll have more info on that next week um very fun that is our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for staying with us to the very end for liking commenting sharing the show with your friends that is the best way to help uh the show grow um you can either listen to us here or on anchor.fm where oh there's a there's a horn or on anchor.fm, uh, which is where our podcast is hosted. And the episodes come out every Monday um, at 8 a.m. So, sure. Tell people about it. Rate us on iTunes and all that other stuff. I think Anchor was just bought by Spotify. So, probably a Spotify podcast review is the best way to help the show grow, if you feel so inclined. Uh, links to things we talked about are in the YouTube description and in the description of the podcast. Uh, anything else before we take off, Lucian, with your horn? No? No, he's good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.